And there's just so many wonderful things here. We talked about uh, how the chaos was conquered. God defeated the chaos. That uh, he, he stepped in and made a change. And uh, how significant it is that God brought change to our own chaos when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Then we talked about the light that God created on day one and how when God says, let there be light, the very first thing that he said out of his mouth was the word Yahweh and how that is the name of God that when God says, I am, that's the word he's saying is Yahweh. And when he says, let there be light, he's saying, Yahweh, light. Let light exist. But it's significant that he's, the very first thing he says really leads us back to Jesus Christ. And all of the Bible is pointing us to Jesus. And he is, as I've said before, he is the hinge upon which history turns. And all of the scriptures points to Christ because Christ is the I am. Christ is the light of the world. Today we're going to look at day two. Day two, and for those of you whose stomachs are grumbling already, I don't believe this will be a very long sermon. <laughs> uh, believe that if you want to. I'm, I'm, I'm naming it and claiming it. <laughs> but we will read in Genesis chapter 1. We will start reading in verse 6. Genesis 1, verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament. I'm sorry, I lost my place. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Well, we know uh, at, at this point the, there was light, but there wasn't a whole lot of anything else. The earth was still this sort of formless collection of water. Somehow this, this water just existed in space. It was not... Not a great deal of form to it. There was light now shining, but there, the light and the darkness had been divided, but there, there wasn't anything else. There's a bunch of water. Well, God creates the sky. He creates a division. He divides water from water and creates this expanse, it says, an expanse. That's the word firmament could be translated expanse. It's, a, it's just the space between waters below and waters above. Now things are starting to take more shape. And again, I want to point out, as we've spoken in previous weeks, this happened in a literal 24-hour period. It says there was morning and there was evening the second day. Literally 24 hours it took place. Now, if you want to title this message, it would be titled, The Creator Revealed. The Creator is Revealed. 
First of all, what was created on the second day? We said God created the sky and he called it heaven. In the scriptures, there are three different heavens, three different spaces that are referred to as heaven. The first one is the sky within our atmosphere. It's where the air is. It's where oxygen and, and all these different things exist. It's where the birds fly within the atmosphere. The second heaven is outside of the atmosphere. It's outer space. It's where all the planets and stars exist. That is the second heaven. And the third heaven, which actually Paul refers to being caught up into the third heaven. He had some sort of vision. Refers to it even as the third heaven. is the abode of God's throne. It is the place, the eternal dwelling place of God in heaven. Not that God doesn't exist here as well. But his throne, the, the golden streets, the crystal sea, is in the third heaven. All three of those things are described in the Bible as heavens, but they are delineated in three different, different ways. If we talk about the sky, we have to understand that it wasn't just the sky within our atmosphere. It was also the expanse of outer space. Both of those things were created on day two. Now the stars and the sun and the moon and all the heavenly bodies were not put there till day four. That's a couple weeks to go till we talk about those. Can't hardly wait. I just I started talking about the sky and looking at the sky and thinking about the sky and I got all excited about stars. And it's like, hang on. Hang on, day four. Right now we're on day two. We're just talking about the space that is there and the the expanse that is there. The, the, I did some research and, and I, I actually tried to figure out how big is the universe? This expanse, outer space, how big does it get? And scientists are like, uh, that's kind of hard to say. <laughs> that's, we, we don't really know. One estimate that I thought was the most accurate was 29 billion, with a B, light years across in diameter. So you'd have to travel for 29 billion years at the speed of light <laughs> to cross from one end of the universe to the other. Galaxies upon galaxies. 29 billion. Now, think about this. Give you an idea. The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. So if you do this, light traveled around the Earth seven times. From here to here. Okay? Like seven. That's like faster than Superman, okay? You know, you've seen that, that movie with Christopher Reeve where he goes around the world fast enough to make time go backwards, okay? Totally against laws of physics, but hey, you know, we, we just love Superman, so it's Superman. Uh, so that's how fast light is, and you'd have to go that fast for 29 billion years to get from one end of the universe to the other. That's a lot of space. That's a lot of sky. On day two, God created gases and certain elements of the periodic table, such as oxygen, nitrogen, helium, etc. I looked at all the other days of the creation week, and I don't think there's any other time in which God would have created these particular elements on the periodic table. So helium, and nitrogen, oxygen, especially the gases, were created on day two. 
I think maybe some of the other ones were created perhaps when he uh, formed the earth and the minerals. You know, he, he gathered the waters day three. Okay, calm down, Jared, day three. But the minerals were created a different day, but these gases were created on day two. He created air and all that is in the air. You see, before this, there was nothing. There was just water out there. But then he created air to divide, to divide up the waters. He created the atmosphere. God wanted us to be air breathers. He could have made us water breathers, but he didn't. He made us air breathers. Why? Well, we'll answer that in a minute. Earth's atmosphere is about 300 miles thick, but most of it is within 10 miles of the surface. The gases in Earth's atmosphere include nitrogen at 78%, oxygen at 21%, argon at 0.93%, carbon dioxide at 0.038%. Water vapor and other gases exist in small amounts as well, as if 0.038% is apparently not small. <laughs> now what about the water? It says that the air divided waters from waters. Well, let me touch on this briefly. The water below the firmament is obviously the oceans, the seas and the lakes and things. That's the water below the firmament. The water above the firmament is still a little bit under debate, even among six-day creationists. They debate a little bit about what that would be. For the longest time, in fact, until this week, I thought that it would have been the canopy, there, there was a canopy of water around the world. The sky was dividing the water below. The water above was this encircling canopy of water above the, above the earth that created some of the different things that the conditions upon the earth before the flood. And then when the flood came, all that water came down and covered the earth. Well, I'm not convinced that's true. Uh, there are some scientific problems with that theory. Um, one of them is that the sun's radiation has to be about 25% less than it is today in order to keep the water from evaporating and just burning up. So you have to have 25% lower radiation from the sun. Uh, that's one problem. There are other problems, and the theory is not totally out of consideration, but there is a biblical problem too. Psalm 148, verse 4. Just flip over there briefly. This is just to give you, just this is good information for you to have so that you can persuasively answer questions upon this topic. Psalm 148, verse 4. Well, there it is. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Now, this was written long after the flood occurred. And it is clearly speaking of waters that are above the heavens well after the flood. So somehow, I believe, according to Scripture, somehow the waters that are above the heavens still existed after the flood in the time of David. Now, what those are, I'm not sure. Scientists even aren't sure. 
They have found evidence of water, lots of water near the edge of the galaxy. But without going into more detail than I can even explain, I just believe that somehow there's some water out there that we haven't found. Because the waters above the heavens, I think still must be there based upon this scripture and other evidence. So that's the canopy theory, some of the problems with the canopy theory and some of the explanation about where that water is. I don't know. There's so much about the Bible we don't know. So much truth about the world we can't find out. But I still believe the Bible is true. I still believe that the seas are below the expanse and that somehow there's water above the expanse. Why? Because God said that's what happened. And he was the only one there. So I take his word. I have... Uh, I found an article online which you might be interested to read and if you'd like to come to me after church, I'll give you the link. But what meaning do we find in this day two of creation today? What meaning can we find in it today? First of all, the atmosphere is perfect. It's perfectly designed to support our life. If the atmosphere was any thicker, the Earth would become much too hot, among other problems. The atmosphere on Venus is extremely thick, and because of that, it is the hottest planet in our solar system, even hotter than Mercury, which is closer to the sun. But Venus is hotter. Surface temperature is hotter than Mercury because of the thick atmosphere that it has. If the atmosphere was any thinner, the air that is contained in it would escape, and we would also be pelted by meteors, solar, solar, solar radiation, and other things. In, in short, we would die if the atmosphere was any thinner than it is. So it's perfectly designed to not only keep us safe, but also keep us alive in general, and make the conditions upon the Earth such so that the water doesn't evaporate and we don't have other problems. It's perfect. You see, God was protecting us before we needed it. God created the atmosphere so it would protect us from meteorites and solar radiation. But there wasn't any meteorites or solar radiation when he made the atmosphere. Before we needed that protection, he knew what was coming, and he designed the atmosphere of the world, and the electromagnetic circle that encircles us, there's a, a field of electromagnetism that also sh sh diverts great, great big meteors. He did that all before that, that was necessary. And even today, friends, God is protecting us from things before we know we need it. Before we need that protection, he is guarding and guiding and leading. I was reminded of that as dad was testifying of, you know, facing things that you go, Lord, what are you doing? I need that job. Lord, I, I needed that relationship. That was the perfect relationship. That was for me. And God says, no, 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 I'm, I'm actually protecting you. And you didn't even know. And one day you'll see. One day you'll see. God protects us today and providentially guides our lives even when it's dark to us and we can't see what in the world is going on. 
God knows what he is doing. When I was working in Chicago for an international ministry and believed in this ministry and what they were doing and had been a strong, powerful influence in my life. And I was working for them and through a long story, I was asked to leave because of some difference of opinion with the head of this ministry. I was a little bit too honest one day and tipped my cards too far and, well, you know, it could be said too far. But anyway, long and the short of it is, I was asked, no, you, don't, you need to go. You don't need to work for us anymore. Well, this was somewhat devastating to me because I expected to work for them for several years and maybe even meet my wife there somehow and, you know, you know, God bless us, hallelujah, I was still a single guy and lots of pretty girls around and I was like, well, you know, one of these could be the girl. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I expected things to happen a certain way and then God goes, <clears throat> no, sorry. You, you, your plans are not my plans. Amen. And God did something in that situation which was more wonderful and I'm so grateful it happened. I couldn't tell you, I was just, I could go on and list five or six different things where I'm now, looking back on it, I see God protecting me. God protecting me. And he took me to Georgia where the really good girls are. <laughs> you know, the lo lots of nice ones, and one in particular. Amen. Amen. It was through that instance that led me to Georgia, and I became an interim pastor for four months, uh -huh, two and a half years, try that one. Well, in a little over two years. And through that, through that, I met my beautiful wife and started having these wonderful peachlets. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Made me a Georgia peach and had me some peachlets. Katie's groaning over here. No. God was protecting me from my own self. I didn't know. And he did that for us on day two. What else? God reveals himself. See, this is the real significance about the fact that God created the atmosphere the way that he did. The way that God made the sky is that he made it to reveal himself to us. We live in the air. We live in the air. Our atmosphere also provides us with a clear view of the universe in which we live. We don't, we're not clouded. Well, there's clouds in the sky, but on a clear day, the atmosphere does not restrict or restrain us from viewing the rest of the universe. It's clear. It's thin enough to, it's thick enough to protect us, but thin enough to let us see what's out there to see the grandeur, the beauty, the majesty of our Father in heaven, which we wouldn't know if the sky was not made in the way that it was. It gives us the opportunity to see what God has done and gain an understanding, at least a sliver of understanding of his character and vastness. If God made us so that we lived in the water, think about this now. This is an early thought for me. I haven't chewed it all the way through, okay? 
not digested it yet or meditated it fully, but think about this. If God had made the world in such a way so that we breathed water, we lived in the water like fish, you know, we would be like Atlanteans if, if, there, if there is such a, a place or people. There's no such thing. But in, in, you know, in, in stories, and in, you know, Atlanteans, they just live in the ocean. That's where they live. If we had been designed in such a way so that we would live in water, not the air, the light that comes in from the universe would be refracted. It would be distorted. And we would not see that light under the water as it really is out of the water. It, it, it is water, when light refracts in water, if you look at something in the water, you're not seeing its actual position. You're seeing it, it actually is in a different place just a little bit because the light coming out, reflecting out, is refracted and bent through the water. So think about that. If we would have seen the world with a little bit of skewing distortion, a little more maybe than we have, it would have been refracted. But God wanted us to see that light as it really is. Without the refraction, he wanted us to see his world the way that it really is. Without distortion. Our understanding of things would be skewed if that light had to pass through water to get to us. It's another reason I now somewhat doubt the canopy theory. God wants us to understand himself and the world in which we live as he really made it, not distorted. This is from, some of you have seen The Privileged Planet. It's a documentary film which is powerful and outstanding. And if you don't have a copy in your house, I will make sure you get a copy. Come talk to me or to the Privileged Planet evangelist over here, Tom Hinton, who will help you to get a copy. But from their website, they say this, and it's powerful. Listen. Atmospheres come in many forms, but not all allow for complex life or clear views of the wider universe. Complex life requires a certain type of atmosphere. It turns out that this same type of atmosphere provides a remarkably clear view of the near and distant universe. Complex intelligent beings are unlikely to find themselves on a planet with an opaque atmosphere or deep in a murky ocean. God made our atmosphere, the sky, so that we could see the near and distant universe. He also placed us, we were talking about this just before the service started, God placed our earth in the best place to view the rest of the galaxy. A little bit this way, a little bit that way, and it's not as good as right where we are. We have the best seat in the house to observe 
the greater universe, the vast majesty and magnificence of our Father God. We wouldn't have as great an understanding as we do if we were in any other place in the entire galaxy. Stop and think about that. How big is just our galaxy? It's massive. Millions of light years across. Billions upon billions of stars just in our galaxy alone. And God gave us the best spot. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, when we get to day four, when he made all the stars and planets and the sun and the galaxies. That's going to blow your mind. My mind is already blown, and I've only just scratched the surface. But God wants to reveal himself to us, to you and me. On this little speck of a, of a planet called Earth, where the only intelligent life we have ever known or could possibly exist, exists here. That's why we are a privileged planet. God chooses to reveal himself as the creator of the world, of the universe. I want to point some scriptures out to you briefly. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. I'm sure our faithful servants in the sound booth will put it up on the board for you. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. See, they're faster than me. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, for there is none else. Know therefore. That's the word I want you to focus on. Know. God desires us to know him. How about Jeremiah chapter 31? Jeremiah 31, see if I don't give the verse right away, I can beat them to the turning of it. <laughs> verse 34, Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is a prophecy of the coming covenant that God would one day cut with his people through the Messiah. In Hebrews, Messiah, I think. It's Yeshua. He's the Messiah. It's happened. He came. The covenant was cut. And he's saying the prophecy is this. All of them will know me. I will reveal myself to them from the least unto the greatest. It doesn't matter what place you have in God's kingdom. What what position you have in the world. What type of person you are. You can know the Creator. And He chooses to reveal Himself. He wants you to know Him. 
How about John chapter 14? John 14, 21. I win. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Friends, the scripture is clear. God is not a God who sits in a lofty place and curtains himself off so that no one may see him or know his, his likeness or who he is or what he is like or his character. He is a God that desires to be known. He knows us better than anyone will ever know us and he wants us he wants you and me to know him. He wants to show us what he is like. He reveals that to us in the scriptures. And he gave us the sky. And he designed the sky in such a way so that it would reveal this eternal truth as taught throughout the scriptures. He wants to be known. Think about that. He wants you to know him as deeply as you possibly can. That's a privilege, friends. That's something he didn't have to do. He didn't have to do that. He chose to do that because he loves you. He loves me. So he wants me to know what he's like. What's one more significant thing in the sky, the heavens? Well, I'll turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 1. And this verse jumped out to me as soon as I awoke and walked into my living room to meditate upon these truths again. This verse jumped out at me as I saw the sun rising and the the colors up in the sky. I can't see a whole lot of sky from my living room window. But the sky I saw was pretty. And I was thought I was brought to this verse. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You notice it doesn't say the stars show his handiwork. It says the firmament shows his handiwork. His handiwork would be the stars but it's upon the canvas of the expanse of the sky that he paints his masterpiece. Those heavens, the sky we look, up, we look at, declares God's glory to us. It reveals to us the beauty and the majesty of God's fingers, his handiwork. What he has done in the world is magnificent. It's majestic. It's it's vast beyond anything we could ever understand or comprehend. It's so big. And our God made that. And if you think that your little problem is too big for him to handle, you haven't really looked at the stars lately. You haven't seen the sky. If you think God is too little to handle your problems, God is bigger than any problem we could see. 
How big is the sky, friends? You can't even see the end of it. You could put a telescope out. You could take thousands of years of technological advances. You could, you could enter the space age. You could do all kinds of magnificent achievements. You could put a telescope in space. You could send a telescope to the edges of the atmosphere. You could put every bit of human intelligence and genius and technology in that telescope. You could get it out as far as you could possibly get it, and you still can't see the end of the universe, the expanse that God made. You still can't. We can't see the end. We're guessing about some things. Scientists can't see the end of the universe yet. That's how big God is. God made the sky that we can see in our atmosphere, but he went beyond that and made something so much more magnificent and massive to help us to see that our God can handle whatever problem happens on this little speck of a dot of a planet. He's got it. He's got it. He can handle it. He knew it was coming when he made the sky on day two, he knew that problem was coming. He knew that stress was going to be there. He knew exactly what you were going to face your entire life. And he knew what your name was. He said, Andrew, I know exactly what he's going to get for. I know exactly where he's going to live. He said, Ezekiel, he's going to come to Jesus on this day. He said, Gregory, I got to pick on the youngest now. He said, Daniel, I know Daniel's name. He said, Jim, I know Jim's name. He said, Michael, yeah, I know that Michael guy. He knows you, and he wants you to know him too. This is beautiful. It's magnificent. The heavens declare the glory of God. We learn all of this. We learn about the vastness of God. Why? Because God made the sky the way he made it. Because God made that expanse between the waters. We know the waters down here. We're still not sure about the waters above. But the, the expanse, God made it in such a way so that we could know what he's like. We could know how big he is and how strong he is to handle our little problems. Psalm 113, verse 4. Psalm 113, verse 4. In closing. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. As glorious and magnificent as the sky is, the glory of God is greater. His glory is above the heavens. It's greater than the glory of the sky. 
So when you look at the sky next time, and you remember that on day two, God created the world, or uh, he created the sky, you remember, you see how glorious and magnificent the sky is. I want you to remember that God's glory is greater than that. He is above the heavens. He's bigger than the heavens. All of them, all three, he's bigger than those. His glory is greater than those. That's the Father we serve. That's the Father of us all. If we are in Christ, He's our Heavenly Father, and He wants you and me to know what He is like. That glorious, magnificent, unfathomable being decided He wanted you to know Him. What a privilege! What a, what a joy. How, how, precious it is, how precious is that to know our Father in heaven, to spend our days remembering that he sees everything that happens, every little moment, good or bad, he's right there. And he knew before time began, he knew what we'd need. He knew how to handle it. And he's right there with us. And he says, hey, come here and find out a little bit more about me. Because I know everything about you. Let's go on this journey together. Come here. Dive into the depths of knowing God. Day two. The creator is revealed. He reveals himself to us and wants us to know him. Friends, if that doesn't thrill your heart, I, I can't do anything for you. St go home and meditate on it. Go home and repent and ask forgiveness or something. I don't know. Meditate upon the fact that God reveals. God wants us to know Him. That's a thrilling thought. If you're sitting there and you got a problem that's really, really big. It's so big, it eclipses all of the good things in your life. And you just can't think of anything else. I want you to remember today, and for the rest of your life, how big God really is. The God that made the sky in one single day knows about your problems and has no trouble, has not been surprised. You ever thought about this? God never says, oops. Never. He never says, didn't see that one coming. Nope. He can handle it. Have faith. Have faith in the God of day two. Have faith in the God who created it all. Father, you are wonderful. You are magnificently awesome. And that you would open up a door for us to be able to see you, to reveal your, your creation and through your creation reveal yourself to us is a, is a beautiful and wonderful privilege. And we are so thankful for it. Lord, we pray that this week when the problems spring up and the troubles arise 
and we don't know what to do or what you are doing, please remind us that you're still the God of the sky, that you made the world, that you made that huge, magnificent canvas which declares your glory, but that your glory is even greater than that. Remind us of that, Lord. Give us faith. Help us not to get bogged down by the big problems we are facing, but to remember how big you are and that you can handle it. Lord, we glorify your name and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.